watching, watching, waiting for that green light. And we're on. And so we're back in uh, the book of Jeremiah. You know, it is a long book. It's 52 chapters. Uh, today we're coming to chapter 25. And uh, the prophet has been given the message by God to keep calling the people back to repentance. But we saw last week in chapter 24 that the God basically now sees uh, two baskets of figs, the evil figs and the good figs. And, and the good ones are those that are hearkening to his word and the evil ones are not hearkening to his word. And uh, we're going to see a judgment uh, come in this chapter. And it's going to be a sweeping judgment. As you can see in the notes, there's going to be the captivity of God's people, the Jews. There's going to be the calamity of the nations. And there's going to be the cry of the false shepherds of all the religions God did not author. It's a full sweeping judgment. And it basically, this chapter, as we study it out, will kind of provide the answer uh, to the question when Abraham drew near uh, to God in, in uh, Genesis chapter 18 and he said to him, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? You're going to destroy the good figs with the evil figs is the question. Uh, and uh, peradventure there be a 50 righteous in a city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place uh, for the 50 righteous that are therein? Uh, that be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked that uh, be far from thee. Shall not the judge of the, all the earth uh, do right? And that's the great uh, question that's uh, being asked here. Now, we do know in the book of Job, we'll look at two chapters, chapter 34, for the answer to that question. And verse 12, uh, Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. And then go to chapter 37 of Job. And one of the things that we see in the 37th uh, chapter in verse 23, touching the Almighty, uh, we cannot find him out on our own. He has to reveal things to us, which thankfully he's done. And he is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justness. Uh, he will not afflict uh, willing, you know, just willfully. He, he's going to carefully uh, mete out that which he does. The judge of all the earth is going to consider everything and when he takes into account how he's going to deal with his own and how he's going to deal with those that are not his own. In the 89th chapter of the uh, Psalms, in Psalm 89, we see in uh, verse 14 that uh, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Uh, God is going to look uh, for giving mercy toward those that will look to him. Uh, the truth is going to de demand judgment on those that are hardened against him. Uh, this is what the judge of all the earth will do in his right way of this. It's his nature. He can't do anything that's wrong. Uh, go to Isaiah 45. 
and then we're going to get into the chapter. And just setting it up with a little preview. Isaiah 45. You know, I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace. I create evil. I, the Lord, I do all these things. Um, I bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Uh, skipping down now to verse uh, 21. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord? There is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. Yes, God's judgment is just. That's his nature. It flows out. It's an attribute. He can't be unjust. It's not possible. There's none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved. Be one of the good figs that looks to me, all ends of the earth. For I am God. There is none else. There's no place else to look for salvation. And I have sworn by myself, and the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. Uh, surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. If you're going to get saved, you need the strength of the Lord and the righteousness of, of the Lord. Even to him shall all men come. And uh, all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. And so we're going to see the judgment of God. And the first thing he's going to do in this chapter is sadly, he has to bring his own people into captivity. Jeremiah 25. And the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was, and this was also the first year of Nebuchadnezzar when he became king of Babylon, the which Jeremiah the prophet spake unto all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So God, here's his faithfulness. He's going to send forth a prophet with his word. We can't find out these things on our own. So God's uh, nature is to make sure the words have been spoken by the prophets. So everyone is without excuse. And that's what he's doing. Verse 3, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, that's the 3 and 20th year, the word of the Lord hath come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened. And the Lord sent unto you all his servants, the prophets. Jeremiah wasn't the only one. There isn't just one book of the Bible written. There's 66 books of the Bible written. There's 27 in the New Testament. I don't like the Old Testament. Well, you've got 27 to pick from in the New Testament. And God's been faithful, and he sent his word. And uh, verse 4, the Lord hath sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, the rising early and sending them. But ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, uh, uh, turn ye again now, every one from his evil way. Every prophet is coming with the same thing. Repent. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. Repent. You're going the wrong way. Repent. Turn. Turn to God. Paul would say, repent toward God and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, turn, verse 5, everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your doings and dwell 
in the land that the Lord hath given unto you and, and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them. And don't waste your time with other religions. And don't waste your time on prayers to things that aren't God. Uh, You've you got to pray to God and only God. Go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them. And provoke me not to anger with the work of your hands, and I'll do you no hurt. Yet you've not hearkened to me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own hurt. So, so you're going to go into captivity. Why? Well, you've ignored my prophets, verse 4. You procrastinated and kept putting it off. He, he gives a, a couple of numbers there in the third chapter, or third verse, from the 13th year to the 23rd year. So, so I've been going for a long time and preaching at you. And, and not just Jeremiah, but other prophets were sent along to preach. And other books were written. And, uh, you know, is not 10 or 11 years enough for you people to wake up? By the way, the numbers, 13, that's the number of rebellion. Uh, you, uh, I gave it to you for 10 years. That was the law. That's what my prophets did. You rebelled uh, for 10 years. Uh, 23, that's death. The 11th year, that's what happens when you break the law. That's judgment. Here comes judgment. Okay? I've given you enough time. Everybody's going to hear this one day. There's no soul that's going to stand before God and have any excuse. I keep the Ten Commandments. Uh, yeah, yeah name, name three of them. Like Ed Luongo was saying on the show today, name me the first one. Yeah. yeah, this guy knows because he's read a Bible. Try that on the streets. Go to the mall. Go to the workplace. Go to a school. Go to a university. Ask a professor. Uh, they, they procrastinate. I'll put it off. I'll put it off. I'll get it done tomorrow. I'll get it done next year. Maybe, maybe you know, well, well we got a, a golf thing going on this week. Uh, and then this year, with the, we got something going on at the business. And then, of course, the graduation for the kids. And, of course, we know the big uh, Final Four is coming up, and we got to watch all the basketball games. We'll get to it eventually. Keep, you know, procrastination. And then all of a sudden, death comes. And now it's too late. Captivity. Now, for God's people, God's expecting a little more out of you. And we're going to look at it in the next service, what living the Christian life is like. And it's not like this smiling idiot here, Dave Ramsey, on the total money makeover. That's Americanism. That ain't Christianity. And you're going to see that. But we like that nice, comfortable, in Babylon lifestyle. Okay, really, you like Babylon, God says? Then I'm going to send you captive to Babylon. Is that really what you want? Then that's where I'm going to send you. Uh, they abused God's mercy. God kept saying, I will give you the land. I'll, I, I will take you to myself. But, but no, they, they don't want that. They refused to repent. They persisted in idolatry. And, and sadly today, the church persists in its idolatry. What's the idolatry of the church? Education. The greatest idolatry in the church today is the originals. Everyone believes in the originals. Nobody believes in God's word. You'd be lucky to find one Christian in a thousand that believes this is God's word given by God in English. The originals. The originals. 
men in pulpits. It breaks my heart, the idolatry of the originals. I mean, I love Charles Lawson. He's starting to turn to the Greek now, and the Greek says this in the Greek. He can't speak Greek. He's a countryman from the south. He doesn't know the first. Where did he learn this idolatry of bowing to Hebrew and Greek and the originals? Get away with, from this stuff, God says. I've been faithful. I've given you the word. Well, everybody knows God can't give us a word. Where did you get this from? A Jesuit priest came up with this in the 17th century because the King James Bible is having thousands of people flee Roman Catholic churches on all the continents. And they said, we've got we to gotta do something about this. People are believing this book rather than the magisterium and the Pope and the things we say. What are we going to do? Somebody said, well, we kept them in line with Latin for all those years. They didn't know what we were saying. We told them the only way to know it is Latin, and only our people know Latin. We've got to tell them the only way they can know it is the originals. So we'll skip from Latin to Hebrew and Greek. They're dumb enough to buy that lie. And they've all swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And they persist in idolatry, and they refuse to repent. So God says, okay, that's the way you want to do it. I'll choose your captors. You're going off to Babylon. Uh, verse uh, 8, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words. God speaks in words. Yeah, Hebrew and Greek and English. These are God's words in English. And you won't hear them. So I'll tell you what, I'll send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and I'll take Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I'll bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations around about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and perpetual desolations. And I'll take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride and the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And of course, historically, these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And I've chosen who the captors are. And I've set the period as to how long this is going to last. And historically, he's speaking to his prophet, and he's showing them it's going to be a 70-year uh, captivity. Uh, he'll confirm that in the 12th verse. And when it'll come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished, he'll confirm it in the 29th chapter and the 10th verse. And, and when he gives something important, you know, he'll, he'll confirm it a number of times. And that's historical. And prophetical, what you're going to see is the very churches right now that have uh, Bibles, quote-unquote Bibles. And the churches all have Bibles. You walk into them. Well, maybe not anymore. They have screens now. But they used to have a Bible. The bookstores have uh, Bibles, uh, so to speak. And in those Bibles, they'll have the book of Jeremiah. But they don't believe the words that God put on the page because that's only in God's book. And you know what's going to happen to all those churches? They're going to be taken to the modern Babylon when the Antichrist, Nebuchadnezzar, is just a picture of the Antichrist, and this Babylon is a picture of mystery Babylon, and all those people are going to be carried into that mess, into captivity. 
I wonder how many Christians truly are saved. And if they're not taken, if they are saved and they're not taken to the seven-year tribulation right now, spiritually, in their own heart, verse 10, the mirth is gone, the gladness is gone, the honeymoon period of the bridegroom and the bride is gone, and the light of the candle is kind of gone. And you'll hear this testimony from Christian after Christian after Christian. When I first got saved, it was great, but you know, it's kind of faded. Sure. Sure, if you believe the idolatry of Hebrew and Greek and modern Bibles, which you give up on real quickly. I know you folks out there don't read your Bibles. You folks with modern versions, you haven't read your modern version once. Look at me. I'll challenge any one of you out there with your modern version, whatever it is you're holding. Have you read it? You read it from Genesis to Revelation? You read every word? See a lot of no's. Yeah, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. It's not going to hold you. It's, it's not going to hold your interest. And if you do read it once, you're not going to read it a second time. And it's not going to keep you because they're not God's words. And the gladness and the mirth and the honeymoon is all going to fade away. Talk to me, you modern Christians. I know you. I was one of you. I've known you for 30 years. I've been watching this. Somebody just showed me a letter I wrote to J. Vernon McGinty's outfit when I was three years old in the Lord because they were using, starting to use the New King James Bible. And I upbraided them in a letter. And then they wrote back to me. Then I wrote back to them. Then they wrote back to me, and they just finally gave up. Yeah, modern Christianity. Captivity. Captivity of God's people. Why? Because God is just. God's, now when God allows captivity to occur, that doesn't seem right, Lord. I'm your child. Well, he says, you know, the truth of the matter is, go to Second Chronicles 28. Second Chronicles 28. And there was a bunch of God's people about to do something really ridiculous. And in verse 9, one of the prophets of the Lord was there whose name was Oded, and he went out before the host that came to Samaria. And he said to them, Behold, because the Lord God of your fathers was wroth with Judah, he hath delivered them into your hand. And you've slain them in a rage that reacheth up to heaven. And now you purpose to keep under the children of Judah and Jerusalem for bondage, bondmen and bondwomen unto you. And the question he says, but are there not with you, even with you, sins against the Lord your God? God says, you know, you may be my child, but one of the things I know about you, you got some problems. You got some flaws. Say, but I'm a precious stone. I'm a diamond in your, your diadem. Yeah, but diamonds have flaws. There was only one flawless diamond. That's my son. The rest of you got a couple of specks and flaws. And, and what I got to do sometimes is to, I got to purge it in the fire. And I want to get the dross out. 
and I will inflict a lesser punishment of chastisement to prevent the greater punishment that maybe you deserve. Because I've not afflicted you or punished you as to what your sins deserve. And I'm looking at a bunch of comfortable Christians right now. You all got good lives. You all drive around in your nice cars. You all got nice clothes. You all got a credit card in your pocket and you can stop at Tim Hortons on the way out of here. And God has nowhere near handled you or me as to what we deserve. And he allows us, though, There's a point where we don't listen and he will allow us to drink and taste of the cup of bitterness so we don't have to drink the cup of wormwood and have to face the fire and the brimstone. Go to Psalm 119. Oh, this is popular. This is going to go over real well in the average church. I want to feel good when I leave church. How about feeling convicted? And letting God do his work. Psalm 119, verse 75. Now, now backing up, this is uh, the first part of that section. That's the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's Jod, J-O-D. That's the pure Hebrew. The corrupted scholarly Hebrew changes the J to a Y. And comes up with a stupid Yahweh and Yeshua. Those are modern corruptions. God said in Zephaniah, he's going to turn it back to a pure language. This is the pure language that God gave. And this is the tenth letter of the alphabet that starts the Tetragrammaton Jehovah. This is the letter that begins the name Jesus. And uh, verse 73, thy hands have made me and fashioned me give me understanding that i may learn thy commandments they that fear thee will be glad when they see me because i've hoped in thy word i know o lord that thy judgments are right you're a just judge lord and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me go ahead brother DOJ, the Department of Justice. Amen, that's good. Backwards, DOJ, the Department of Justice. Amen. And, and, and the deliverer of justice rather than department, yes. And, and, um, but, but when God allows his child to go through affliction, he does it in faithfulness. He carefully measures out exactly what would be right for that child of his. Uh, back up to uh, verse 71. It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. He's trying to get a lesson into us. And the captivity is coming. Back up to verse 67. You know, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now that you in faithfulness have put me in this captivity here, And made me, you know, first I fought and I screamed about it and I prayed about it in the wrong way and then I had to think on it and meditate on it and then you began to show me some light. Yeah. Now that I've been through it, I'm learning to keep thy word. Go to Psalm 90. And the judge of all the earth does right. And his judgment is just. 
a just God is he. Psalm 90 is the only psalm that Moses wrote. It's a a prayer of Moses. He's the man of God. I, I love this. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now, if he... If he, verse 3, turns any of us to a place of captivity where it looks like we might be destroyed, you know what he says? Return, you children of men. Repent. I mean, I'm putting you through this so that you'll figure out, there's a, where am I going to go? To whom, shalt thou, uh, whom can I go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thou art the giver of life. I've got to return to God. There's only hope is returning to God. There's no hope anywhere else. And uh, skip down to verse uh, 15. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us. And one of the things God is doing with his child when he turns one of his own into a captivity and says, now, you need to be captive there. I need you to, 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 since you wouldn't listen to my word and you wouldn't judge yourself and you wouldn't watch your own steps, and you just whistled in the dark and went your own way, or you followed the crowd, which is always going the wrong way. The crowd is never going the right way. Anything you hear the world wants to do, anything the media is, is for, you're against it. Or there's something wrong with you. You're not biblical. That which is highly... Do you know these verses or not? Am I teaching you stuff you've never read? Luke 16, 15. Luke 16:15 And and the people he's addressing are in the 14th verse they're they're covetous people. Gee, you'd never meet one of those, would you? And Jesus said to them, "You know, ye are they which justify yourselves before men." But God knoweth your hearts. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Do you have any idea what that verse means? No, no, do you? F- athletics, sports, athletes. I hate it, God says. You won't see any of this in the millennium. Actors, Hollywood, goodbye. Music, big rock musicians, get rid of them. Really, the world loves it. Great engineers and architects. Get out of here. Politicians, I don't even know if they're highly esteemed. I think big businessmen and, and you know, not the names of the guys that have built the big corporations lately. No. no I, I love small things. I love a family. I love blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. This kind of stuff, I don't go for it. I don't go for it. Your world is completely upside down. You and I have been immersed and raised in a world that's warped our values worse than the, the kids that read the, in the library of Mr. Bookman. I mean, just completely warped. Yeah. Now, when God does allow us to be afflicted, as a father, it, he doesn't want that to happen. 
and he suffers with us through it. And his thing is to make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted, where he has afflicted us in the years wherein we have seen evil. He's going to, through the affliction, he's going to put it on the clock. He's going to weigh it in the balance and he's going to put rewards so that when we come out on the other side and it restores that which the locust has eaten, we're going to get blessed by it. But we've got to learn to go through the afflictions. And the just God puts his people to captivity. But back to where we are, it ain't captivity for those that aren't his. It's a calamity and destruction for them. And and what he begins here in verses 12 through 33 is he just, uh, and it'll come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished, the ones that, treated you poorly and put you in captivity, I'm going to punish them, the king of Babylon, and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans, that's the religion, and will make it perpetual desolations. And I will bring upon that land all my words, which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah hath prophesied against all the nations. Kind of in a backwards order, but God says, look, I'm going to send a prophet. He's going to, I'm going to put my spirit in him. He's going to speak like Jeremiah, the things I want. And then it's going to be written in this book. And this book is going to cover everything on planet earth. Nothing is going to escape. My precepts concerning all things are correct. Nobody's going to be able to say that's not in the Bible. It's in the Bible. God says I've covered everything. Verse 14, for many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also, and I will recompense them according to their deeds. Yes, some of these people will, your captivity, it might not be a strange land, it might be a strange boss. It might be you're going to school and you've got to put up with university professors. But the Lord's going to recompense them according to their deeds and according to the work of their hands. Verse 15, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel to me, Take the wine cup of this fury at my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it, and they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword I'll send among them. You see what verse 16 says? The Bible makes lost people mad. That's why they hate that book. Because they are mad. Because they hate God. And the sword lets them know. And it pokes them. And it strikes them. And they don't want it. Don't preach at me. Don't bring that book around here. Don't give me a track. Don't talk to me about that Bible. That says, okay. All right. Then you've got calamity coming your way. Verse 17, and I took the cup at the Lord's hand and I made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord hath sent me to wit Jerusalem, the cities of Judah and the kings thereof. Why? It had just been taken over, Jerusalem and Judah, by Nebuchadnezzar and his people. They were occupying it. And the kings thereof and the princes thereof to make them a desolation and an astonishment and a hissing and a curse as it is at this day. And Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and his servants and his princes and his people, he's going to name a whole bunch of uh, specific, particular, historical nations and say, well, they're all gone. Yeah, but they're still here today with a different label and a different uh, Germany and Scandinavia and Ukraine and Russia and America and Bolivia. It's the same thing. There's no new thing under the sun. The names have changed to confuse the innocent, but God's not confused. 
and all the mingled people, verse 20, and all the kings of the land of Uz, and the wizard of Oz, and the makers in Hollywood, and the kings of the land of the Philistines, and Ashkelon, and Azah, and Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, those were the major cities in Philistia, and Edom, and Moab, and the children of Ammon, the kings of Tyrus, and the kings of Zidon, and the kings of the isles which are beyond the sea, and Dedan, and Tema, and Buz, and all the uttermost corners, and all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of the mingled people that dwell in the desert, and all the kings of Zimri, and all the kings of Elam, and all the kings of the Medes, and all the kings of the... I wonder how many kings escape none none i don't care how powerful they are you know judgment has come the prince of this world was judged and if i can grab the devil i can grab any one of you guys off your throne far and near with one another verse 26 all the kingdoms of the world which are upon the face of the earth and the king of shishak shall drink after them and the lord just lays out in particular all these nations, but I look in general, all the nations, verse 13, 15, 17, 31, 32, all the kings, uh, verse 20, uh, 22, uh, 24, all the kingdoms upon the face of the earth, 26, uh, all the inhabitants of the earth, inhabitants of the earth, 29 and 30. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and everyone that's alive he's given breath to. And they've all got to give account of themselves to him. And you've either one of the good figs, even if he got your flaws and he lets you go into captivity for a while to purify you, or you're one of the evil figs that would not hear, would not listen. You stopped up your ears. You stiffened your neck. You hardened your heart. And God says, well, judgment's coming. Uh, verse uh, 27, Therefore say to them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink ye and be drunken, this is the cup of wrath, and spew and fall and rise no more because of the sword which I will send among you. And it shall be if they refuse to take the cup at thy hand uh, to drink, then thou shalt say to them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ye shall certainly drink. Well, how are you going to do this, Lord? Verse 29, For lo, I begin to bring evil on the city, which is called by my name. And should you be utterly unpunished? I mean, I let things happen to Jerusalem. I let things happen in Israel because of their disobedience and they're mine. You're not even mine. What do you think I'm going to do when I come your way? When the death angel passes your way and there's no blood over the door. Verse uh, 29, I will bring evil on the city. Verse middle of the verse, ye shall not be unpunished. For I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, he's given this prophecy to Jeremiah. Jeremiah watched all those nations that were mentioned, and, and maybe some of them after his lifetime, in the lifetime of his children and his children's children, or whatever the generations to come. And he watched all those things be fulfilled because the prophecies of the Lord have been fulfilled. But he told Daniel, 
then cometh the time of the end. And these are shadows of the final captivity, the Babylonian captivity with the Antichrist, not Nebuchadnezzar. And what God going to do at the end of that, uh, verse 29, a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth. You know, we live in a strange time where we have people who've lost respect for life. And so little by little, you know, when I was young, I started training in pre-med in 1974 and learning the tenets of medicine back in 1970. That's half a century ago. And half a century ago when I started my medical training, you know, primum non nocera, first do no harm. First thing they taught us when, when uh, passing out medicine and, and, and pharmacy was, look at pharmacology, you've got to understand all drugs have side effects. They taught us rule number one. Therefore, you make sure that the beneficial effect outweighs the side effects or you don't give the drug. So back in 1974, a patient didn't leave with a prescription in their hand unless we were certain that it was the right thing for them and the beneficial effect would outweigh the side effect. And the hope was the prescription was just temporary and within a month or two, they no longer had to take it anymore. We didn't put people on medicines and then piled another medicine. And, and now what happens is there's a side effect. Now we give a medicine for that side effect. Now this medicine's got a side effect. And someone comes in with 11 or 12 prescriptions they're taking on a daily basis. What's happened here? Because we've lost respect for life. The same time back in 73, 74, they passed a, a bill that you could kill babies. First do no harm. It was unthinkable for a doctor to kill a baby. Out of the womb or in the womb. That wasn't what they did. And now, all of a sudden, they even think, well, what about older people? Maybe euthanasia is better for them. And there's no respect for life. And now we've got governments planning on ways to get rid of people so we can deal with overpopulation and have more resources. For whom? For the few of us that are left. Because we're covetous and we want to be richer. So if we can get rid of a few billion people, think of how much more we can have. And God says, really? Well, there's a law that I put in nature. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. And go to Galatians chapter 6. And farmers seem to understand this. But all of you have left farming, and you all live in the cities. You know the problem with living in a city and not living in a rural area? You live in a rural area, you know what you see? You see God's creation. You see the trees. You see the flowers. You see the animals. You see the sky. You live in the city, you see everything man-made. Steel, concrete, cement, automobiles, buses, you're looking at the glory of man 24 hours a day. And you start to drink in the glory of man. You think man is the measure of all things. And you lose sight of the creator. And then you think, well, it's overcrowding this city. If I could just kill a few hundred million people in all these cities, I could all, we could all have penthouses. 
and you get covetous. And so you find ways to kill. Well, abortion, that'll keep it down. Euthanasia, that'll get it down. Maybe some vaccines, that'll get it down even a little more. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, well, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Really, you find a way to kill people? You're sowing death? Well, I'm going to bring a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth because you're the ones thinking this stuff up. You're going to get what you're asking for. You're going to reap what you've sowed. Get back to where we are in uh, Jeremiah 25. End of verse 29. I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Says who? Saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. He has, he has heavenly hosts. He has heavenly armies. Mighty armies of angels. You know, every so often you'll see one of these uh, movies and, and uh, there's like this drug gang you know and they're mixing their meth and their cocaine and they got their lab and they got a few guys with guns wanting to defend it and then and then you'll see maybe uh, a law enforcement team wants to come in and there's the shooting back and forth and all the, and a few law enforcement men will get shot and if some of those guys got shot and then you know eventually the victory is won but there's losses on the side of the good guys that came in there can be no losses when god sends his angels in they're going to be able to walk in slowly and just kind of laugh at the bullets. Actually, they'd be able to pluck them out of the air because a bullet moves like molasses to them because they move at the speed of light, and a bullet's only moving about 1,000 feet a second. They move at 183,000 miles a second, thing like it's standing still to them. It's, the Lord of hosts is going to send his hosts down to take care of this stuff. Verse 30, therefore prophesy thou against them all these words and say, the Lord shall roar from on high. This is the lion of the tribe of Judah. To his people, he's the lamb. To his enemies, he's the lion. He's the king of kings. He'll utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes. Against whom? Against all the inhabitants of the earth. Because you're either in Christ, which is heavenly, or you're in your first birth, Adam, which is earthly. And the vine of the earth, the grapes of the earth, have got to get crushed in the winepress of God's wrath. You've got to be of the... Jesus said, I'm the vine. You've got to be in me. You're in the vine of the earth. No hope for you. You must... Be born again. Your Adamic in your firstly birth is, is looking at this in the end. And the new birth is looking to have everlasting life and be told, enter down to the joy of the Father and the kingdom that he's prepared for you. Verse 31, a noise shall come even to the ends of the earth. Why? For the Lord hath a controversy with the nations. Now, he talked about the controversy back in the book of Hosea with his people, but that's the same controversy he's going to have with the nations. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, Hosea 4.1. Why? Because there's no truth. 
There's no mercy. There's no knowledge of God in the land by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. They break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn and everyone in there shall languish with the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven and the fishes of the sea shall be taken away. You know, God's getting ready for that now. My wife just showed me something recently. Where'd they find all those eagles? Recently, there was some state where all of a sudden a photographer found a whole bunch of bald eagles where they've never seen it before. And I'm looking at it and going, God's getting ready. He's getting them ready. I mean, all of a sudden, these animals are starting to appear in places where you've never seen them before. Look, I grew up in 1965. My dad built a home way out in a remote area of Williamsville, Carriage Circle, and we were on a dead-end street, ended with a railroad trestle, and there was woods all the way here to Maple, and there was woods going all the way back there to Hopkins, and I played in those woods. I never saw deer. Recently, Carol saw one in her backyard. What the heck is this all about? The Lord is getting these, these beasts all ready for what he's going to have them do when he turns them loose on the people that put them in the condition they're in now. Yep, he's got a controversy with the earth. He will plead with all flesh, verse 31. He will give them that are wicked to the sword. Uh, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation. A great whirlwind shall be raised from the coasts of the earth. A great whirlwind. That's a category 5 hurricane coming in from all the oceans to every coast. You know the damage they do. You get a bunch of them coming in simultaneously at the same time from different directions on all the coasts. Um, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. The Lord is revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserveth his wrath for his enemies. He's slow to anger, but he's great in power. And he will not acquit the wicked. And he hath his way in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. And he stirs up these category five hurricanes. They'll be raised up from all the coasts of the earth. Jeremiah twenty five thirty three. And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even to the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They'll be as dung upon the ground. No memorial services, no flowers, no showings, no anything, just bodies strewn everywhere. Is this right? Yeah, the God of all the earth, the judge of all the earth, yeah, he does right. They refused his offer of mercy. They refused his offer of grace. They refused the holy words in his book. They refused his son. They spit on his son. They mocked his son. They scorned his son. Not only physically, they do it today spiritually. They do it psychologically. And he continues to reach out. But there is a day, like he tells Jeremiah, the hour, the, the, the sands in the hourglass are now run out. There shall be time no longer. It's time for judgment. And the judge of the earth will bring the calamity 
on nations, all the nations, all the kings, all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth, all the inhabitants of the earth. And not only that, verse 34, and howl, ye shepherds, and cry, and wallow yourselves in the ashes, ye principal of the flock, for the days of your slaughter and of your dispersions are accomplished, and ye shall fall like a pleasant vessel. And all the false shepherds, and we remember back in chapter 23, um, woe to these uh, pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Woe to someone that gets up there and knows me not and tells the people that he does know me. Woe to those that preach another gospel. Because there is no other. And, and, and like Paul uh, warned them in the book of uh, Galatians, when, when they were beginning to corrupt the word of God, I marvel. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, that, that you are so soon removed from him that called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. And there are some that are troubling you and perverting the gospel of Christ. And I, God told me to tell you if we, or even an angel from heaven, were to preach any other gospel unto you than the one we've preached. Let him be accursed. God's going to curse him and damn him with hell. A curse from God is irreversible. God can't reverse it. You Thank God the blessings are also irreversible if you're saved. And if you've been blessed in Jesus Christ, he can't reverse that either. You're saved. You're saved. If you go into captivity and you don't even escape it in this life, when your life ends... You're still saved. No one can pluck you from God's hands. God's work is eternal in either direction. But they preach another one, that's a curse. As I said before, I say it again. If any man or woman or child or angel preach any other gospel to you than the one you've received, let him be accursed. And the false shepherds that have confused and scattered you know, and the, the thing that's so sad about it is they begin when they're children. And these little kids, you know, children are so trusting that when someone older begins to teach them something and teach them lessons about God without a Bible they don't know, then they start putting a, a false faith and a false security and a sincerity in the wrong direction and these shepherds are going to howl and wallow. In verse 35, and, and he says, and these shepherds are going to have no way to flee nor the principle of the flock to escape. I mean, there is no way out for them. If they think I knew you, I did good works in your name, no matter what these shepherds think, there is no way to escape. And in uh, Proverbs 19, a false witness shall not be unpunished. What do you take out the double letter? He's going to be punished. And he that speaketh lies shall not escape the judgment of God. There's going to be no escape. There's going to be no place to flee. You can't hide. A false witness shall not be unpunished. It says another place in Proverbs. And, and he that speaketh lies, not only shall he not escape, he shall perish. 
a voice of the cry of the shepherds and a howling of the principle of the flock shall be heard. Why? For the Lord hath spoiled their pasture and all false religions. Women, you, you worship, you know not what. Jesus said, I don't care what your fathers told you. I don't care what traditions you've heard. I'm the Messiah, Jesus said. And I'm the way and I'm the truth and the life and there is no other way. You worship, you know not what. Get out of your religion. Your shepherds will howl one day. And I can just see to the people that live from 1980 to the year 2005 and they were all devotees and, and uh, followers of Mother Teresa. God will march that shepherd, right, that false shepherd up first. And they'll watch God's judgment on her when he finally does pull her out of hell one day. And they'll see that naked little woman face her judgment. And they'll watch that shepherd howl. And they'll know there's no hope for me. I was trusting in her. I mean, after all, Mother Teresa, surely she made it. Yeah, to hell. She made it to hell real easy. She slid down there faster than a greased pig on a slide at... Uh, uh, six Flags. There she goes. Why? Because she refused the gospel of Jesus Christ. Her own book said she was trusting in Mary. Wrong place. It's better to trust in the Lord than Mary. It's better to trust in the Lord and put confidence in men or princes. Yeah. The peaceable habitations are cut down because of the fierce anger of the Lord. God hates religion. More than he hates bingo games. More than he hates uh, casinos. More than he hates uh, d drunkenness and, 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 and uh, places that sell alcohol and bars. That's just sins of the flesh. These are sins of the spirit. He hath forsaken the covert. Uh, the land is desolate because of the fierceness of the oppressor and because of his fierce anger. Go to Amos chapter 9 and we're done. Amos chapter 9. I saw the Lord standing upon the altar. And he said, smite the lintel of the door. That religious establishment hit it. That the posts may shake and cut them in the head, all of them. I'll slay the last of them with the sword. Uh, he that fleeth of them shall not flee away. He that escapeth of them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, then shall my hand take them. Though they climb up into heaven, I'll bring them down. Though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, the mountain, I'll search. I'll take them thence. Though they be hid from my sight in the bottom of the sea, thence will I command the serpent and bite them because there's no escape God's judgment is just the calamity of nations the cry of false religions and for those of us who are his children if we ignore the prophets if we continue to procrastinate if we abuse God's mercy and grace if we Refuse to repent and persist in idolatry. Don't be surprised if he puts us into temporary captivity to allow us to taste bitterness and a lesser chastisement, preventing the greater punishment of wormwood and fire and brimstone in our life. To which we'll say, 
It was good that I was afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I'm learning thy commandments. God wants us to learn his word. God's judgment is just. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You can bank on it. Father, we thank you for the preaching of Jeremiah. Thank you that the words have been written. He spoke them. You had them inscribed. You've had them preserved. You've had them translated for us. Lord, help them to sink down deep into our hearts and help us, Lord, to uh, walk on that straight and narrow path and press for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.